0: This is The Sparge, your bi-weekly rundown of everything online, now on floridabeerblog.com. And now your host and author, Dave Butler. Welcome to the Florida Beer Podcast and The Sparge for April 2nd, 2019. This is our bi-weekly rundown of all the posts that have been up on Florida Beer Blog to varying degrees of length. Hi, this is Dave, your host and author of the Florida Beer Podcast and Florida Beer Blog. And on today's sparge, we're going to start off with a rundown of our recent five-year anniversary of Florida Beer Blog. We'll then be reviewing The Passion of the Heights from Tampa's Florida Avenue Brewing Company. And we've got a sponsored post-rundown of some awesome snacks that were delivered to us for the grand opening of Beat Culture Brewing. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. It's amazing to see how much Carnival Cruise Lines is doubling down on their newfound love for craft beer. But it's an interesting story, and I will tell you the entire story as my beautiful wife and I lived it. Several weeks ago, I got another invitation from Carnival Cruise Lines to attend a press release on board one of their ships. This is not the first time that this has happened. The first time I accepted one of those invitations was when the Carnival Vista, their then newest ship, entered its home port of Miami for the first time. The Vista, as some blog readers may remember, is notable for being the first North American cruise ship to have an onboard brewery. It's a beautiful glass and bronze system that brews just under three barrels a batch and is located in the Red Frog Pub, a Caribbean-themed concept. I spent a good long time touring it and talking to brewmaster Colin Presby about the system and getting it up and running. They have since launched a ship after that, the Carnival Horizon, with an onboard brewery as well. This one is part of Guy's Pig & Anchor Smokehouse Brew House that was created in conjunction with celebrity chef Guy Fieri. Onboard the Carnival Magic, the invitation read that we will be treated to an announcement concerning Carnival's craft beer program. That was all it said. I had a couple of assumptions, but no hard facts to base either of them on. So we went, staying in downtown Miami for the night thanks to Carnival and getting up relatively early in the morning to head to the dock. We definitely did not need to head to the dock early as the Coast Guard decided to delay everyone for an hour and a half. But when the Coast Guard tells you to do something, you do it. There's really no room for negotiation. We were surrounded by lots of employees with shirts that said three cheers for our beers and matching lanyards, all with the logos of three different and distinct styles of beer. Looking back on it, this should have been my first clue. Once on board and in Red Frog Pub, the concept premiered on the Magic, just without the brewery. We were treated to trays and trays of some quite tasty appetizers. The grouper fingers and coconut shrimp were definite hits, and having some awesome hot sauces next to them really accentuated the whole deal. We were also being given samples of three very distinct beers, coincidentally the beers whose logos were all over the place on the shirts, the lanyards, and pins that were already attached to the lanyards we were given. Those beers were the stars of the show and were even represented by a nice beer stein ice sculpture in the back of the restaurant. Colin and I connected briefly, but not for too long since he had an announcement to go to with Edward Allen, Carnival's vice president of beverage operations. After a few minutes, and it's like giveaway by somebody from the cruise line, the announcement had been officially made. Starting that day, all Carnival cruise lines were going to be stocked with kegs and cans of three styles of beer created by Mr. Presby and only available on Carnival cruise lines. As of right now, 24 ships have those beers, and the remaining two cruise ships are currently in Australia, but will be getting their shipment shortly. The three beers were born from the breweries on board both the Vista and Horizon. The actual brewing, canning, and kegging is coming from BrewHub, the Lakeland-based contract brewer that many Florida breweries are using to expand their output and distribution. From the Pig & Anchor on the Carnival Horizon comes their top seller, Parched Pig Toasted Amber, a red ale, 5% ABV. This beer ended up being everyone's favorite with a solid caramel malt backbone, lightly accentuated with noble hops and a smooth, easy-to-drink body. From the Red Frog Pub on Carnival Vista comes Thirsty Frog Caribbean Wheat, a wit beer at 4.8% ABV. And it's more of a wit beer than a true Hefeweizen. To be sure, the malt bill and yeast tended to skew a bit more Hefeweizen. And you can see that in the decidedly darker, for wheat ale, color. Flavor-wise, there's a tiny bit of banana ester there, but the citrus and coriander come in strong, bringing a spicy quality to the beer. To round everything out, and since everybody loves IPAs, The third beer chosen was also from the horizon, their Parched Pig West Coast IPA, coming in at 6.2 ABV. The hop profile tends to be a bit more herbal than citrus, and comes across decidedly less aggressive than the majority of West Coast IPAs. That's for good reason, as the Parched Pig beers were designed specifically to pair with the food at the restaurant from which they are sourced. These beers are now being sold on draft and in 16-ounce boy 4-Packs, the expectation being that people can purchase a 4-Pack and bring it back to their stateroom. Nobody truly knows whether the beers were supposed to be taken off the ship, but according to a press release, the beverage ops vice president is quoted as saying, My hope is that our guests will take a 4-Pack home with them to share with family and friends as a refreshing and memorable reminder of their cribs. I guess that means you can take the four-pack home with you. If you're a listener to the Florida Beer Podcast, another episode that was just released previously is an interview with Colin and I sitting down to discuss the beers, and you'll be able to hear that on the podcasting app of your choice right now. As for trying the beer, it's time for you to book a cruise on Carnival, because those are the only ways that you'll be able to try these three beers. But it doesn't matter which Carnival cruise you choose, all three will be available. As for me, I will be excitedly awaiting what Carnival's next press release is going to bring. I'm not totally sure which expressway it is, especially since there's roughly 40,000 of them in Miami-Dade County. But whichever one runs along the south side of Miami International Airport suddenly has an exit in what feels like the middle of nowhere that leads directly into a day's inn. My wife and I were actually kind of impressed with this, since what looks like the former restaurant for the hotel has now been turned into Miami-Dade's newest brewery, Beet Culture. If you look inside, they've made excellent use of the space, and if you squint your eyes, you can still hear echoes of what the space used to be. There's a spacious floor for plenty of table space and an upstairs loft occupying the highest point of a very large, downward-sloping roof. The part of the space not underneath the loft has been walled off with giant picture windows housing what appears to be a 10-barrel brew system. It's a cozy space with plenty of games and slight touches of 1940s art deco that call to Miami's fascination with the style. There's a kitchen as well, providing a good array of standard American pub favorites. I find it interesting to note that they look like they're giving discounts to the employees of the hotel next door. It's kind of brilliant. Beet culture, and how it fits in with Miami-Dade County craft beer, can act as a natural terminus for a brewery crawl, and there's no need to figure out how to get home to boot. Just grab a room at the Days Inn, which I'm sure can't be too expensive. When we were there, we had come in on the same day, but a few hours after the end of their grand opening festivities. You can see where there had been a ton of activity earlier. The large section of blocked-off parking lot was home to several tents and some games including a very large cornhole board that I would have been interested to see in action. All beers were, as you're about to see in the photos that are posted on FloridaBeerBlog.com, priced and served according to the event, which was $6 a glass and explains the Plastic logoed Cups. I went with my beautiful wife, a friend of mine, and his wife. and Between the four of us, we were able to knock out at least half of the very large selection of beers that were remaining on tap. A lot of these obviously were beers from beet culture themselves or collaborations with other breweries in the area. They also had a nice selection of beers from other breweries throughout the state, And I'll make sure to describe where each beer originated from, starting with Beet Culture's Vagabond, a Saison at 7.2% ABV. Described as a rustic Saison, this beer had a strong lemony aroma with a hazy golden color. The flavor has a nice tartness and strong undertones of grass, lemon, and slightly floral hops. A nice, slightly spiky mouthfeel gives way to a strong effervescence that does not let up. Beet Culture Clock Shadow is an imperial stout coming in at 8.5% ABV. And there's a strong, slightly boozy, and very deep aroma that comes off this beer. The flavor has a lot of strong coffee and dark cocoa characteristics that is heavily accentuated with an almost maraschino cherry sweetness. But the malt wins the day with this beer, coming in with a strong body that is enjoyable to chew through. B Culture Social Club is a New England IPA at 7.4% ABV. There's a big fruity explosion in this beer with a moderate reserve dankness lurking in the back. The deep but expertly blended beer. Back home at B Culture, Streamline Lager is a Vienna Lager, 5% ABV, and it's very true to one of my absolute favorite styles it drinks incredibly smoothly with a slight noble floral hoppiness that comes through not necessarily chewy and sweet with this one but it is quite refreshing and wonderful from odd breed is past and future a saison at 5 percent abv and 18 IBU. the signature beard from odd breed is remarkably smooth and delightful reserved for what could have gone very funky very fast the French oak does wonders here, mellowing out the aged holler tower and fresh, fresh czech hops and imparting a slight vanilla undercurrent to a beer that still has some nice perky notes of spice and fruit to it. The imported Pilsner malt and domestic wheat, rye, and oats bring a velvety pillowness that is incredibly well done and very easily approachable. Calusa and Hidden Springs of rolling out. It's a stout at 12.8% ABV, and this is the pastry stout for people that like the classic Florida pastry stout. Smelling this beer, it's hard to get away from how delightfully sugary sweet this is going to be. The strong roasted aroma does not deter from that, neither are the notes of cinnamon or lactose. Drinking it, you get the coffee a little bit stronger, and there's a very strong biscuit-style breadiness there, almost like it was soaked ladyfingers from a tiramisu. The cinnamon is nice and slightly spicy, adding to a very delicious, very chewy vent of a beer. Finally, we have Beat Culture's Air Quotes, a double IPA It's 7.8% ABV. It's remarkably reserved. This is not a beer that has a face-melting overload of hop character. There's a slight citrus and slight herbal tone to the hops, bringing in Simcoe. Waidi and Experimental 09326. All of this is put on a bill with a light, unassuming malt. The hops are able to exist and to be harmonious with the rest of the beer without getting too overpowering. I've been watching Beat Culture as it was getting close to opening for a couple months now, and I'm glad that I was able to get there right at the tail end of their opening festivities. Clearly, they have a lot of good things going for them, and look to be cementing their place into the fabric of Miami-Dade County beer culture. Plus, they've got a hotel attached to them, and there's not too many breweries, I can say that. (music) A few days ago, was quite the auspicious day since it was the fifth anniversary of Florida Beer Blog. Since being created while sitting comfortably in an easy chair in Tampa, the blog has had close to a thousand articles, and we've watched the burgeoning craft beer scene here in Florida take off with Wild Abandoned. It's been an interesting ride, and I've done a number of things that I never thought I would be able to do, and met some very amazing people. And it's awesome to see what has happened in those five years of the earliest articles, the second and third articles are about places that no longer exist, and the articles after that are about tiny neighborhood breweries that have now exploded into multinational conglomerates. I'd like to think that my writing has gotten better. I've gained quite a few more followers, and just last month premiered this podcast, of all things. When the blog was started, I'm not totally sure I knew what a podcast even was. Heck, I don't even know if they existed back then. With the first article, though, my topic was sort of an explainer why I felt a blog that focused solely on Florida beer was a good thing. I still think writing solely on Florida beer is a good thing, but not to promote it as I once did five years ago. Now I write to celebrate all the amazing gains that we have achieved and see the incredible distance that we have gone in such a short amount of time. People have finally realized that Florida craft beer is serious business, and we have plenty of breweries to cater to every taste, from haze Bros looking for the top-rated, most unattainable beers to trade with, to everyday people looking for a nice, quiet pilsner at the end of a long day. And being Florida, there's plenty of nifty little places to go for people coming down here on vacation as well. In all, Florida beer has come a very long way, and I was happy to be able to see it, Maybe not necessarily from the inside, but at least on a seat very close to the window. If you're reading this post or listening to it on the podcast, thank you very much for your support, and I hope to have you back again in another five years or more. The first time I saw beers from Florida Avenue Brewing, I was on vacation in the Sarasota area with my wife. This was a long time ago, so it was the glass bottles with the really awesome old-timey Pirate Ship logo they used to have. I really like the new iconography of a completely refreshed Florida Avenue brewing, but I miss that nautical look from the early beers. The new imagery is definitely more urban and harkens a lot more easily to their location with Tampa on, as you can tell, Florida Avenue. That location, created when they partnered with BrewBus Brewing, is located in Seminole Heights. This is an older section of Tampa, and I've heard some Tampa residents talk down about the area, but it seems to be the central hub of quite a vigorous revitalization. It's that region that I can assume is the namesake for their award-winning beer, The Passion of the Heights, which is a wheat beer that comes in at 4.7% ABV. As slightly religious as the name almost feels, I do know that the passion part comes from a massive explosion of fruity flavors from cinnamon, hibiscus, lemon, orange, and rosehip. It's a lot going on in this beer, bringing in a very interesting pink hue when it's poured, and also giving it a nice tart zing with that interesting tropical flavor. The zing comes from the hibiscus, something I've been getting used to whenever I see the ingredients show up. It's a very smooth and easy-to-drink beer, light and zippy and refreshing with all of the additions, along with a good dusting of mandarina and warrior hops. It's also being distributed statewide in cans and is remarkably easy to find. I actually found it, along with a ton of other Florida Avenue beers, at, of all places, Target. There is no need to drive all the way to Seminole Heights to get some, but there's a lot in the area anyways, so it may be worth it just to go. There's plenty to be passionate about. I promise the dad jokes end there. <laughs> the tradition of snack mixes being served alongside drinks is so old and so standard that it's almost a stereotype. And those usual stereotypes are either peanuts or pretzels. Delicious, yes, but we've been there. I was recently approached by Brewhouse Legends with a much better proposition. Three different stack mixes specifically made to go with beer. I've tried each of them, and I was pleasantly surprised by each distinctly different, yet pretty delicious nevertheless. Here they are with the Florida beer that pretty much everyone in the state should be able to get and enjoy. The Michelada is inspired by the Mexican beer and tomato juice cocktail, and this snack mix contains rice crackers, corn nuts, hot Cajun sticks, peanuts, and praline pepitas. For a beer pairing, there's a definite sweetness to the mix from the pepitas and tomato-esque flavorings. To that end, a classic Vienna lager with a strong malty sweetness will combine quite nicely with the sweet notes in the snack mix. My recommendation is the V-Twin Vienna Lager from Motorworks Brewing in Bradenton. Hops and pepper it might be the closest to a traditional snack mix you're going to get, but with a great, almost vegetable flavor in the spices. Very tasty, and I could definitely eat a lot more of this one. It contains peanuts, rice crackers, pretzels, and sesame sticks along with those spices. For a beer pairing, it's the calmest and roast rounded of the three snack mixes, and having a calm, tasty pilsner or blonde ale is definitely the way to go, my recommendation being the beach blonde ale from Three Daughters in St. Petersburg. Hoppin' Chili, I think everyone that tasted this mix loved this one the most. It has a great little sweetness to begin with, but then the heat comes on with a big blend of chili pepper Crafted with peanuts, honey sesame chips, chickpeas, and corn nuts. It's a beer pairing IPA. Seriously, did you expect anything else with this heat? My recommendation would be a Category 3 IPA from Dew South and Boynton Beach. Now, these mixes can be found at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. And since you're going there for craft beer anyways, you would do well to get some bags of this as well. The Florida Beer Podcast is a production of blog.com Find us at floridabeerblog.com, on social media at floridabeerblog on Instagram and Twitter. We're at flbeerblog on Facebook, or you can write to us directly at floridabeerblog at gmail.com. Today's music comes courtesy of Scott Holmes, and you can find this song and more at scottholmesmusic.com. Thank you to all the breweries and businesses reviewed today, and if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, rate us, and leave a review on your podcasting app of choice. It helps others find this podcast as well. We'll see you soon, and thank you for listening. Drink Florida Craft.